Sandra Rose, thanks for being here. Welcome to another episode of Humans Resourced. I'm Kyle Healy. It is, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be fun. We were, we were just chatting. We were chatting the other day. I'm psyched. Are you as excited as I am? I am. I think I'm more pumped than you, Kyle. <laughs> I love benefits. And when I get to talk shop with someone who is really resourced in it, you like how I made that fun? Um, that was good. <laughs> it's a highlight of my day, if not my week. That was really good. So like, I want to just like set this in, right? Because like I said, we were we were just talking for 10 minutes before we even started recording. And I wish I had hit record earlier because I was like, no, save it. Like, this is good stuff. <laughs> um, you put a post on LinkedIn about two, three weeks ago at this point. And I immediately reached out after I saw the post because I was like, like, yes, that's exactly what's going on. Your your post was, and you were kind of directing this, I think, at the employees mm-hmm. as opposed to the employer, yeah. which from a benefits consultant perspective is always like they are the end user, but it's often not who we speak to, right? Like, um, are you taking a 32% pay cut? You might be if you're not fully utilizing your employee benefits, which I thought was super interesting. And what it started to make me think about was like, okay, what's going on right now? What, mm-hmm. Why aren't people fully utilizing their benefits? And are they having things taken away that might be sort of almost like this shadow pay cut kind of thing? So first things first, what are you talking about when you say 32% pay cut, fully utilizing benefits? What does that mean? What, what should employees be doing from your perspective to make sure they're not just sort of abandoning 32% of their total compensation? Yeah, Kyle, great question. And the reason I always lead with that is it is shocking. 32% is a lot. Like, I don't know yeah. anyone, including myself, would be like, you know what, boss? I know we're having a tough economy. Why don't you take 32% of my pay away? You know, I just want to do You haven't that. done that, right? Can we just be, you have not done that? Uh, well, anyone who's not using their benefits is actively doing that, right? You when go. you're thinking about what the uh, company is providing you from an employee value proposition standpoint, with finance, we've always... Um, assumed that 32% of your base pay is what's paying for all the other things, for your medical insurance, for your vision, for your 401k. And when I share that with my friends and community, they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't even use that stuff. I'm like, that's even worse because we're yeah. paying the money. So you not showing up to the doctor for your annual visit, you not getting, you know, blue light glasses, you not contributing to your 401k. I've already spent the money, right? So now you're showcasing to me you don't value it. I don't need to invest in those programs. I don't need to make it better because you're not even utilizing what I'm giving you, which is already costing the company millions of dollars. So the best way to tell your employer, not only do I value the compensation you're giving me, that's not just cash, but I want more of that, or that's what's keeping me in my seat at your company is to utilize those benefits and ask for what you need. So why aren't employed? I mean, like from your seat, right? Like it, it sounds like you've thought about this. You, you've looked into it, right? Like what's the, what's the missing piece or pieces, right? Like why, why aren't employees accessing these things, using them, taking advantage of their full total comp package? Um, whose fault is it? And is it because they're really maybe not valuable? Like should employers be cutting them? I think this is kind of like a teed up question. I think your answer is going to be no. I think this is sort of like an easy one, but like I want to ask it anyway. Well, I thought you were kind of being controversial. I was like, what? They're not vulnerable. Um, well, I'll say the multi- That's me, because I'm just stirring the drink over here. That's, yeah, let's see if I can get it. Um, I would say it's a multi-prong approach. I would, uh, as an employee, when I first went to you know my new hire orientation, they would throw around words like FSA, HSA, 401k. And I'm like, they all sound like cool rap groups. I don't understand what this means for me today, right? Like, 
it's just a whole bunch of initials that you're throwing at me and I have to make all of these decisions in 30 days. And then guess what, Kyle? You leave me alone. You don't talk to me for a whole year. Maybe I hear of a walking challenge there or some other thing over there, like some webinar I have to attend. And then this huge event of open enrollment where I have this pressure and I'm sweating in places I shouldn't be, where you're telling me I have to make decisions for a full year of like what my health will be. I don't know if I'm going to have a baby in nine months. I don't know. Well, I should, right? If <laughs> uh, That one maybe. <laughs> There's a lot of decisions that have to be made that if I'm an early career person, it seems overwhelming. So I just ignore it because I'm just trying to do my job. I think another component of it is communications. We just assume that people are reading through, you know, out of their 100 emails, anything that comes from HR is talking oh Got to open that one. <laughs> I feel really bad. I'm going to, ready? Are you ready for this? I delete emails from HR. I'm a benefits consultant. I, I do. I know. Don't tell me HR people. It's really bad. But you're right. Like, there's just trying to clean up my inbox. Inbox zero. Cassandra, inbox you know what I mean? zero is the goal. So anything that doesn't apply to me right now, I ignore, but that might be applicable to me two years into my career of working, yeah. right? I may not need child benefits today, but I need it two years from now. And I didn't save that email. I didn't archive it. So oh, you didn't? It. <laughs> when I need it. And then the third thing, and I think this talks to the DEIB component of it, I may come from a community where I am the first person in a corporate workspace. I don't know that I should be asking these questions as yes. someone who's administered benefits for people who make a million dollars plus and somebody who's making 30K. They're asking me the exact same questions, Kyle. So this isn't an intelligence thing. This is a literacy thing. And the person who's not making as much money, who may not be accustomed to these type of benefits, they're scared to ask because they're like, I don't want to look like I don't understand what's going on. I already feel out of place in so many ways. The last thing I want to do is get on HR's radar of like, who let this person in? So I say nothing. And I don't get to benefit from my benefits because I'm scared to even ask the question. That's such a good, like, yes. The, 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 where's the first place you go as a 22, 23, 24? Your parents. Right. But if your parents didn't, work in a office professional setting, a place that mm -hmm. provided benefit, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Like they're not going to know either. And you're right. And so then you go, well, I don't want anybody to know. I don't know. Right. That's yeah. Amazing yeah. point. So it's what I'm hearing though, then is it's a, it's about meeting people where they are communicating more effectively, communicating in a way that people in 2023 are used to receiving information, right? So the mm -hmm. once annual analog open enrollment, <laughs> maybe we got to, Maybe we got to drag that into the uh, 21st century a little bit at this point, 23 years into the 21st century. Maybe it's about time that caught up. Um, so that's all. I, I love that. And so it's not employers. The other thing I'm hearing then you say, and maybe you can comment on this. Employers shouldn't cut things that employees aren't using as mm -hmm. a knee jerk with the sort of impression or the assumption that it's because they're not of value. Right. They should go try to figure out like, well, we put these in for a reason. Do people know how to get to them? Are we communicating the value effectively? Are we meeting them where they are? Are we providing them enough information so that they understand the value and will be motivated or compelled to use them? Yeah, is that? I love everything you said. So I'm going to actually extrapolate it a little bit more. So Great. we'll talk about DEIB, right? Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. A lot of times they're looking at hiring. Like we just need to get the right people in the door. My question is, okay, now that they're in the door, what next? How do you support these different communities of people, whether it's LGBTQIA, whether it's um, people who are early in career, maybe they're the first college graduate 
they're coming into a workforce that they're not accustomed to or someone over 50, right? Like we communities can um, identify in so many different ways. How do you support them so they stay at your organization? All those efforts that and money you spent getting them in the door isn't wasted. And I say that benefits is a hidden way of supporting those communities. Because as you said, if I, for example, um, as a black female employee, that's how I identify. I don't know if you know this, but um, black women are overshooting getting master's degree than any other community right now in the space, like getting masters, MBAs, PhDs. Yes, we're highly educated, but that also means we probably are carrying a higher debt load when it comes to student loans. So the student loan repayment program, but I don't know it, it's benefit number 83 in your hidden benefits guide, that's 300 pages. I don't even know to take advantage of that. So you look at it from a utilization standpoint, you're like, oh, no one's using this, let's just get rid of it. I didn't even know it existed because you did that one campaign run, you rolled it out, and then it was just buried deep in your intranet. And that's a missed opportunity, right? So I may not be contributing to my 401k because I'm trying to pay off these student loans to even get the job that got me in the door. Do you see how it all just spirals? And what you do, one way to cut through that noise is partner with employee resource groups within the organization, right? Go to them and say, hey, what are some of the needs of your community? What are some things that are coming up for you that you feel that the company may or may not have access to? And this is a great way to almost have like a special enrollment period for those communities because now you're refreshing them and connecting their needs to what you are already spending money on. And then you'll see the utilization jump, but more importantly, retention, engagement, all of those things can become possible. Attraction. Attraction. Wouldn't me, whatever community I identify with or align to, I'm probably plugged into those in social channels and in other ways outside of my professional career. And if somebody mm-hmm. in those said like, hey, you know who really gets me, gets gets what I need, takes care of me? My employer. Like, right. With the amount of disenfranchisement and and kind of just like burnout and frustration and people looking to get out, like, man, that's an incredible... I love that idea. Employee resource groups is a way to sort of do just anecdotal internal research on what would move the needle. Let's invest in what people want and what matters to them as opposed to just sort of the meat and potatoes, which brings me to now like the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is right, like we're talking about all these great things and right, employee research groups and DEIB and there was such a huge movement Mm -hmm. kind of middle pandemic, post pandemic to, to what else? Right, like clients, employers, they kept. What else? What should? What else should I get? Give me something else. I I want to do more. Help me do more. How can I extend my benefits beyond the table stakes? And then all of a sudden, like overnight, the past like several months, it feels like everybody's cutting stuff. Right, and it feels like what they're cutting is all of the things we just talked about could have an enormous impact. And just sort of going back to, I think what I just called it was table stakes, but like the meat and potatoes. Like we're just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a medical and a dental plan. Isn't that what everybody wants? Can everybody get something out of that? Aren't you all using your medical plan 24-7, 365? Isn't it money well spent for every individual, right? Like, is this another form of kind of like a pay cut, right? Like employees, especially in certain communities, are seeing the benefits that matter most to them sort of eliminated. Is that money going somewhere else? Is it reinvested in better benefits elsewhere? Is it reinvested in cash comp or is it just disappearing? I think it's just disappearing. That's the unfortunate piece. I think the market has switched from what felt like an employee-led market to employer-led yeah. market. 
And so, and understandably, look, we're going through a recession. A lot of people are pulling up the purse strings. Ooh, and I, the recession word. I don't know. Are we? Are we? Are we allowed to say that? I don't know. Soft landing, hard landing. <laughs> technically, yes, but you can't look at these numbers of you know ten thousand being laid off from company A, company B. Like we're flooding the the network with really great talent. Something's going on. Something's in the water. Banks are yeah. failing. Something's in the water. And so I think employers are like, you know what? We're just going to give the basics and kind of see where we land because we need to exist as a company, right? That's something that we keep hearing. But Kyle, we were even talking about that used to be learning and development. What's happening to DEI was like, hey, we don't need learning and development or we'll get that when we're in you know, clearer waters. And now we're saying the same thing about DEI. And that is just like learning and development. That is the wrong way to go. I'm not saying that I know the financial standings of every company, but when you're doing that, you are actually cutting off your nose to literally spite your face. You're telling employees that these things that were once valuable are no longer, and now you're not developing your people. You're not responding to the different communities that you promised when you asked them to come work for you that you would support, right? You're taking those things away. So you are in essence, giving them a pay cut by taking these things away. And then when they start leaving, you're shocked. You're surprised. You're like, I don't understand why people are leaving, especially if the outlook starts to become more positive because they're going to look for an employer that can look at these things longer term. That say, despite what's going on in the outside world, as much as possible, we're going to keep our commitments to you. And gets them, right? Like that. that's what I think I just heard you saying, which is something I hadn't even considered too. Like DEIB is such a great, kind of approach to researching and understanding your employees mm -hmm. and what they associate with identify as and then the big problems they have as a part of that community to help you understand ways you can support them right that, that's that's what benefits is at the end of the day it's it's all of the things that aren't cash that you're providing as an employer to help your employees with the biggest problems they are experiencing right then and if if i'm cutting DEIB and employee resource groups and, and not even making any attempt to help those communities get a voice mm -hmm. to speak what they need or what their big problem is. Like, how am I ever supposed to create a benefits platform that is at all tailored for them? It, it, it becomes just completely homogenous. We're going to do medical and dental and vision and everybody gets the same thing. And I don't care who you are as an individual, right? Like this is just, you're just an employee. Right. And the world of work has moved to that space, right? We can't go back 20 years. Like it's literally impossible in terms of being- Seems like some people think we can. I don't, like, I, you know. I don't know, Kyle, because even we were talking about return to office, right? That's now yeah. a hotly debated topic. And it's one thing of making sure that, especially those who are coming into the workforce for the first time are supported, are well-established. I don't think it's an in-person thing necessarily. I think that managing other people and leading and doing work through others is a hard task, period, bar none. And so when we were in proximity, that allowed for a lot of the leadership to be a little easier because I could just tell you something. I didn't have right. to ask thought. Right. So some of it is just learn teaching managers to be better managers. And I don't want to put it all on their shoulders because that's not a simple task, right? It starts from the top. You need leadership and development. You need to understand how to cut across language barriers, time zones. There's so many components to that, but that's what makes it softer. The benefits, 
the ability for people to have voice and say, this is what I need for me to be a more productive contributor to our ecosystem of how we do work. So from an employee side, if you're not activating those benefits, go ahead and do so. And from an employer side, if those are the things that are on the table as you're going about to go into your budgets for next year, really think through, is cutting or saving 50, 100, I'd even say $500,000, is that worth 10 of your employees, your top performers leaving, right? Just really think through that because we're making a commitment to each other. Employment to me is a symbiotic relationship. Employers need employees. Employees at its best. At its best. <laughs> yeah. What's it, so? Talk to me a little bit about Fringe then, right? So how how are how are you all approaching these kind of decisions and this kind of analysis? I imagine your your perspective on this and saying like this is what employers should do. You're kind of doing it yourself. So you know, drinking yeah. your own champagne sort of thing. And then two, how could other employers benefit from what Fringe provides? Yeah, I love that question, Kyle. So the reason I came to Fringe is when they first pitched me on the product, I was a believer within 10 seconds because being in the benefit space for a decade plus, you know, you're always looking for that next hot thing. Like you were saying, like, what else can I add? What can I do? Not just so that I have a litany of random things. It's I want to support my employees as best as possible. And when you think about lifestyle spending accounts, which is now the hot topic of the day of how can we provide, you know, a budget where people can even have more choice, more customization around choices, control, autonomy, technology lends itself to want us to be more autonomous and individualistic. Like this is fantastic. This is awesome. And so not a lot of employees in the U S are doing it, but in Canada and even some European nations, lifestyle accounts have been a really popular thing. And I'm, I'm happy to see that growing here. What fringe does, it goes even beyond that, right? It says to an employer, Hey, why don't you give your employees ultimate choice? You take your budget, whether that's from anniversary gifting, whether that's to allow peer-to-peer recognition, all those programs that you have probably managed in different places, put them all in one place and say, hey, employee, you get to decide how you spend those funds. Because this month you may need childcare. Next month you may need to take a flight because you're going on vacation. You have this fund, this way of recognizing your employees, and then they get the choice of what they need in their life at that moment. That's what which is awesome. I just for anybody, uh, there's a there's a great podcast called Hidden Forces, and they just had a generational guru on the other day, and this is what she was talking about. That the more we progress, it's less about kind of these big world events that we think shape generational differences, and more about technology mm-hmm. and individualism. The big changes between boomers and zoomers is all the how they perceive autonomy and individualism. And so you're trying to create the benefits platform that we can kind of like scientifically, right? Right. Understand the next, the, the next generation of workers is going to want. They're, they're all about autonomy and individualism. This is what they want. They want choice. They want control. Uh, and you can literally provide it for them. Right. In real time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause like you just, right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know I'm going to have a baby in nine months. Exactly. Yeah, I, and this can support me in that way. And isn't that what the employer is trying to solve for? We're not trying I, to make sure that you're, you know, the best human being that ever walked the earth. If we can do that for you, awesome, right? But we can't always fulfill that mission for each person. But what we can uh, attempt to do, and that's what I try to do from my seat of ahead of people, is look at the resources we have, look at the people we want to attract and retain, 
and try to make that match as close as possible. What can I provide you? What can I do to enrich your life personally and professionally that whenever you leave me, whether it's through retirement or going to another employer, you were made better by your experiences here. So good, right? Like, and that's, listen, then you can feel successful as an HR slash benefits professional, right? Like you've, you've done all you can. Mm -hmm. uh, that's awesome. Cassandra, what else do you have going on? I feel like you've been on like 18 podcasts recently. I feel blessed that you, you came on, you came on our, our little one. You're posting all the time on LinkedIn. How can people find you? How can people reach out to you? How can people get in touch with Fringe? Uh, where, where do we, where do we get more Cassandra? Yeah, I appreciate that. So I post a lot on LinkedIn around benefits because I feel like that's one of the areas that's not as broadly spoken about. So thank you, Kyle, for even having this platform to allow me to share that. Um, I also do uh, videos for Instagram and TikTok. So quick little bites around like- You're a TikToker? I mean, you got to go to where the people are. So. <laughs> Wait a minute. Like, I'm going to go find you on TikTok right yeah. now. Like we're getting, okay. Across all social media channels, you can find me at Miss Cassandra Rose. So the letter M, the letter S, and then my full name, Cassandra Rose. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter. That's awesome. Uh, Cassandra, any parting thoughts? Any Anything you do to tie a bow? How can employees then make sure they're not taking a 32% pay cut? What should they do? Who should they talk to? What do they say? What do they bring up? If we kind of tie a bow on all of this, what does the employee do to, do they just leave? Before you leave, make sure you make HR your friend. That would be my parting thought. A lot of times we think HR are these people that are just in this ivory tower, crunching numbers and pushing around paperwork. We are desperate to talk to you and understand, are these things meeting your needs? So make sure you fully understand if you're if you're leaving what you're willing to leave behind, because a lot of times when you're going to that next employer, you may be paying more and getting less. Right. Even if your salary bump is better. So make sure that you fully understand your benefits, have people explain it to you again and again. And as you go through different seasons of life, see what's out there. You never know. It may already be available to you. You never know. Take the jump. I love it. Miss Cassandra Rose. Find her on all social media platforms. I, you, do you dance on TikTok? No, there's no dancing. There's some lyrical dancing. Some, okay, there. cool. That's what I was hoping for. So I was hoping you were going to say that's why I'm glad I asked. Miss Cassandra Rose on all social platforms. Make HR your friend. Don't accept a 32% pay cut. Hashtag shadow pay cut. Um, <laughs> go check out her posts. Cassandra, thanks for being on. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Remember, uh, all things insurance risk management and human resources, go to www.nfp.com. You can check out this episode as well as all of the other humans resource episodes there. You can get this episode on any podcast platform, wherever you tend to listen to your podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. I'm Kyle Healy. And until next time, thanks, Cassandra. Thank you, Kyle.